Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. My name is Joseph, and my pronouns are he, him. Well, I am uh, doing a solo episode this week. Uh, no guest. And unfortunately, the co-hosts are uh, not feeling too good. So uh, I will take the reins, do some geek news. Uh, you know, as usual, when I do geek news solo, the episode's going to be a little bit shorter. But hey, you're going to get some geek news. So uh going to start off with two in-memoriams uh, this this week uh first is well this one hit hard um sesame street's emilio delgado uh passed away uh he played the role of uh luis for 45 years on uh the children's show sesame street um he uh he had died from a uh multiple myeloma um he was first diagnosed with it back in 2020 um for a lot of folks Luis was one of the first uh, Latinx actors that they became aware of. Uh, oh, not Luis. Luis was a character. Uh, Emilio Delgado was uh, one of the first Latinx actors that they saw as, at a young age. Um, his character, Luis, uh, is well remembered for you know his preaching on Sesame Street, um, and uh, you know, the character married a uh, fellow Latinx actor. Uh, and I don't have her name, who played Maria. Um, I'm so sorry for being slightly unprepared. But uh, he was on the show until uh, 2016. Uh, and he held a role for the longest running running role for a Mexican-American in a TV series. Uh, he remained part of the family. Uh, in 2019, he celebrated uh, the show's 50th anniversary. So uh, one of the interesting stories is that when he... Uh, came to audition they didn't actually give him a part to read they just spoke with him and after he left they said hey you got the job and uh, from there 45 years of being very instrumental uh, in the lives of many children uh, outside of Sesame Street he also appeared on the show Lee Grant, Falcon Crest and Law and Order uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent uh, but he will always be Luis to us so uh Thank you, Emilio Delgado, for all of the educational lessons you gave us, even when we didn't know you were teaching us. Also, in memoriam, uh, actor William Hurt, uh, Academy Award winner, um, nominated for Emmys and Golden Globes. Uh, he also won a BAFTA Award. Um, for those of us in the genre uh, field, uh, he came uh, became a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with his role of General Thaddeus Thunder Ross, uh, appearing in The Incredible Hulk, Captain America, Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, and Black Widow. Uh, other films that you might remember in Body Heat, Children of a Lesser God, Broadcast News, and The Big Chill. 
He was uh, his his Oscar and BAFTA award came for his role in Kiss of the Spider Wound, where he portrayed a gay prisoner in a South in South America, uh, opposite Raul Julia. Uh, so uh, he debuted in 1980 with the Ken Russell film Alter States, which if you have not seen it, go watch it. It is a pretty interesting movie to see. Uh, he also, uh, I believe, was in the Sci Fi Channel's Dune miniseries so uh he was 71 years old and had passed away from uh natural causes they say uh, a great actor uh, um might also remember him he was the i believe the father in the lost in space movie uh, so two big losses uh all right well let's let's shift over to some better news uh there is a new board game out coming out uh if you're a fan of the Avatar The Last Airbender series, uh, then you're, this game is right up your alley. Unless you believe you're a member of the Fire Nation, in which case you're probably not going to like this. Uh, if you ever wanted to fight alongside Aang as he battles Fire Lord Ozai, here's your chance. You don't even need element bending abilities. Uh, OP Games is presenting a cooperative board game focused on stopping Fire Lord Ozai. Uh, of course, he's a firebending master who wants to conquer all the other nations and starts the Hundred Year War. Um, so your job, uh, the group of players' job, is to stop him from achieving his goal of total domination. The game is called Avatar The Last Airbender Fire Nation Rising. Put you in control of the world's destiny. The cooperative gameplay uses cards and dice to save the four nations as you fight for the earth, air, fire, and water nations to prevail. Teams led by starting heroes will help you. Ang, Katara, Soka, Toph, and Zuko lead the teams with their own dice pools and special abilities. Having those characters on your side means you have a better chance at victory. At least it should. You'll have to complete objectives along the way in order to be prepared to stop Ozai. Uh, and you have to stop the Fire Lord before the day of the Black Sun. The celestial event plays a key role in the animated series, as it does here. This Avatar The Last Airbender board game is made for 1-5 to five players, ages 10 and up. Uh, winning the day involves some strategy, hence the older age group. Uh, also note that the board kid comes with some highly sculpted Fire Lord Ozai figure. Um, it's the only figure that comes with the game, but you know what doesn't need any others. Uh, it is going to be uh, retailing for about $49.99 uh, and should arrive this summer. And uh, so if you are interested in it, contact your friendly local game store and see if you can get it in the spark. Speaking of friendly little game stories, just want to take a moment. Um, if you uh, if you've paid attention to our show, you know we talk about the Adventure Game Store and Dragon's Lair quite often. Uh, we interviewed the late owner uh, Keith Dal uh, Brian Dalrymple uh, a couple years back. We did a memoriam out when he passed away suddenly last year. Uh, wow, we're almost to the anniversary of his passing. Um, well, the Adventure Game Store is having some issues, so if you would. We'd like to help out. Please go to Adventure Game Store. Go to adventuregamestore.com, um, and you can make purchases through their website. You can buy uh, gift certificates through their website. If you live in the area, swing on by, and you can, you know, make purchases in store and let them know how important the game store is to you. Uh, it's been a rough couple years between the pandemic uh and losing brian so uh, anything you can do to help 
uh, please do. Um, we are good friends with the folks behind it, and we would love to see this uh, Florida, South Florida tradition continue on. So please, uh, if you can, make purchases on their website or get gift certificates on their website uh, and know that you are doing a good thing. Okay, back to the news. George R.R. R. Martin gives updates on Game of Thrones spinoffs. Uh, so we know the House of Dragon uh, is going to be coming out. This is going to be set in Old Valeria uh, about the rise of the Targaryens. Uh, well, it has finished shooting its first season and which should be coming to HBO later this year. Uh, but what other spinoffs might follow? Uh, with so much rumored, uh, with so much rumored, it's uh, the list is pretty long. We do know that there was a a pilot for a series that was shot, uh, that was rather expensive, and uh, it uh, kind of got wiped away. So, on George R. R. Martin's not a blog blog, uh, he posted what he's been working on, uh, and uh, he does say he is committed to finishing uh, the Winds of Winter uh, and the rest of the the Game of Thrones. Uh, well, for those of us who are fans of the books, it's Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, but uh, he's working on some other things beyond that. So uh, let's see, what has he got? Uh, Martin says, uh, at HBO, Martin says, Bruno Heller of Rome is writing a pilot for a Corliss Valerian series. It's been tentatively titled Nine Voyages, but it is new, it but its new working moniker is now the Sea Snake. Uh, that's so it's not confused with another spinoff idea, 10,000 Ships. That project, spearheaded by Amanda Siegel, would follow the legendary Queen Nymeria. She rescued her people from Rhaenar and ultimately settled in Dorne. She was a hero of Arya Stark, uh, and that's uh, the name she gave to her direwolf. Uh, Martin writes, uh, Siegel has already delivered a couple drafts for the show, and uh, they are forging ahead with it. Uh, as for a third live-action project, uh, the Duncan Egg series from Steve Conrad. Martin says Hizzy and his team have had some great sessions with Steve and his team where they really hit it off. The pair are one of the most beloved duos in all of Martin's Westeros. Uh, and if you have not read the Dunk and Egg stuff, uh, you should definitely look for it, especially in the collected graphic novel version. Uh, and Conrad is said to be uh, committed to doing a faithful adaptation. Uh, as for HBO Max possible animated series, Martin is under orders to remain mum on most specifics. That could change soon, though. Martin writes work on these are moving fast. Also, he loves some of the concepts he's seen from them. The animated series, he admits, he'd admit to being in pr production is one set in E.T. It's developing under the title The Golden Empire. Obviously, we don't know which of the ideas will make it to air, but we expect the ones that do will have a very wide audience. Uh, especially for the book readers, because we got nothing else to do while we wait for the next book to come. Uh, staying in entertainment for a bit, uh, Deadpool 3 uh, has named uh, Free Guy and the Atom Project director Sean Levy to helm Ryan Reynolds' Merc with a Mouth's uh, latest sequel. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter was first to exclusively break the news that Sean Levy... Uh, is again teaming with Reynolds for Wade Wilson's next big screen outing. Levy essentially confirmed his involvement on Instagram with a photoshopped collage of Guy, Adam Reed, and Deadpool with the caption of LFG, uh, an abbreviation for Let's Fucking Go. Uh, the crossed swords emoji, a nod to Deadpool's weapon of choice, 
Rod Liefeld, one of the character's original creators, is finally in the comments with, with the sword and rock-on emojis. Uh, Ryan Reynolds even uh, said third film is in my Sean Levy trilogy will be a tad more stabby. Uh, Ryan Reynolds recently admitted to comicbook.com that uh, the topic of Levy potentially helming the next installment of the R-rated and X-Men adjacent Marvel franchise came up. I say right to Kevin Feige, care of Marvel Cinematic Universe by whatever one of us away. I don't know where it is, but yeah, that would be nice. That would be a dream. That would be a dream come true. Uh, this is the first major update to the project since November 2020 when the duo of Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux Logan, known for their work as writers and producers of Bob's Burgers, were hired to pen the screenplay. As THR notes, this will be the first Deadpool film produced under the Marvel Studios banner since Disney acquired 20th Century Fox in 2019. Uh, Bob Iger, who was the CEO at the time, assured fans that the character would remain extremely violent and foul-mouthed so long as the marketing for his solo outings was clear. If he ever show up in a mainstream MCU, it'll probably be as a watered-down version of himself, who constantly calls out his inability to swear and murder with impunity. Uh, Reynolds turned up plenty of speculation on the matter back in October 2019 when he popped by the Marvel Studios office but for an unexplained visit, uh, and then they confirmed the active status of the Deadpool saga. Uh, the last Deadpool movie we had came out in 2018. Uh, the first sequel grossed over $785 million worldwide, uh, about $3 million more than its predecessor. So... Folks are very eager for Deadpool 3. Uh, no release date as yet, uh, and it's unclear when principal photography is scheduled to start. Uh, if you're itching to see uh, Reynolds and, and, and Levy's work together, you can catch The Atom Project on uh, Netflix, or you can catch uh, The Free Guy on Disney+. Plus. All right, kids, let's get to some science. So, getting old, as someone who has now entered his mid-40s, uh, really not fun uh so most of us want to live a long time but we don't want to get old fortunately those two conditions appear to be mutually exclusive so living a long time requires that we age which wouldn't be so bad if our bodies didn't forget how to be good at being a body uh you know your skin gets thinner your bones become more prone to breaking your muscles get weaker wrinkles all of it basically entropy basically you're falling apart uh so Instead of going the route of elixirs and 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 uh, makeup and concealers and cosmetic surgery, uh, scientists at the Salk Institute of Biologic for Biological Studies, Gene Tech Incorporated, and other collaborators shows that we can effectively reverse the aging process in middle-aged and elderly individuals by toying with epigenetic factors, resetting cells to a younger state. The result was published in the journal Nature Aging. So only one catch, the individuals in question were mice. Over time, our cells undergo changes in epigenetic markers, and those changes result in what we experience as aging. Scientists have previously identified four molecules, OCT4, SOX2, CLIF4, and CMYC, which are commonly called Yamanaka factors and biology circles. Those four molecules are a group of protein transcription factors which play a part in the creation of stem cells. 2006, Professor Shinya Yamanaka, for whom the molecule take their collective name, used them to create stem cells uh, from adult fibro fibroblasts. So basically, they took these mice and started resetting their epigenetic markers. The mice were broken into three groups. The first were near the very end of their natural lifespan and received treatment for only one month. The second was treated over a seven-month period in what we would consider old age. 
Last group treated for 10 months during the mouse equivalent of middle age. In all three groups, scientists found no negative impact of the treatment. Specifically, there was no increase in incidence of cancer. And the groups which were only treated for a month toward the end of their natural lives, they found no significant improvement or change in the course of ordinary aging. By contrast, the two other groups did exhibit measurable improvements and reversals of the aging process. The skin, organs, and epigenetic markers for the test animals looked the way they would in younger individuals. This also showed a more robust ability to heal. After injury, the treatment treated animals healed more quickly and with less scarring. Moreover, the effects became more apparent the longer an individual was treated, suggesting that starting early and maintaining treatment has the highest impact on arresting or reversing the effects of aging. The effects of the treatment appear to stack up over time. More testing courses needed before similar treatment could be effective for uh, clinical trials in humans. Uh, so hopefully, uh, maybe this is something we can get into. As we get more news, we'll bring it to you. Um, so the collecting and refusing to get rid of old things seems to be part of the human condition. Uh, what has been found, uh, a recent study bar, by Bar Efrati from the Department of Archaeology and Ancient Near East Cultures at Tel Aviv University and colleagues took a hard look at flint tools crafted by prehistoric humans between 300,000 to 500,000 years ago. They found that ancient humans frequently recovered, restored, and recycled tools made by previous generations, not only out of a sense of convenience, but because of nostalgia and sentimentality. Their findings were published in the Journal of Scientific Reports. Scientists have known for a while that flint tools were reworked and reused at different times in the historical record. Best evidence for this behavior is a phenomenon known as double patina, which, when found, clearly demonstrates the refashioning of the same piece of flint over time. Uh, so basically, when, they, when you notice colorful layer from a different texture or shine, it would, it would pr prove that that tool had been, had been refitted. Um, so apparently, we were constantly reusing, reshaping our old tools because they are beloved, maybe belong to a, an elder. Um, also, some talk about maybe if, you know, flint or whatever, you know, the tool material was, if it was in short supply, then, of course, you would need to reuse them. Uh, so it's uh, interesting to see that sometimes th this desire to hold on to things from the past uh, has carried on for half a million years. Uh, a new advance in science may make broken bones uh, heal better than they do now. So uh, I'm. Not sure if you've broken a bone before. I have a couple of them. Uh, so most of the time when a bone breaks, they heal nicely without much intervention. Doctors typically step in to set a piece in the right position, stabilize them, and let the body do its thing. However, the defect in the bone is large. The body struggles to effectively regenerate bone and increase intervention is needed. The FDA previously approved the use of BMP2, a bone growth factor for use in severe fractures. The results of BMT2 it have historically been minimal, and the high dosage required can result in significant side effects, making it a less than ideal solution. Researchers from the Mayo Clinic and colleagues from their other institutions have now developed an alternative therapy using messenger RNA. Now, if that sounds familiar, that's because that's also what's in. That's that's also how they are combating the COVID nineteen uh, virus and the vaccines. Uh, the findings were published in the Journal of Science Advances. Uh, this new therapy ultimately uses the same BMT growth factors as a prior therapy, with the main difference being the route of delivery. While previous therapy delivered BMT2 intramembranously, the new mRNA protocol traveled through endochondral paths. Say that word five times fast. 
Uh, this is important because long bones develop and heal through endochondral ossification. In essence, the new, ter the new therapy is more effective because it's delivering the needed boost to the body's front door, utilizing the body's natural development and healing process. Uh, messenger RNA takes its name from its function. It serves as an intermediate step between gene and the protein it encodes. It is essentially a set of instructions showing the body to manufacture a particular product. So in the case of the COVID-19 vaccine, the mRNA works to telling our cells to produce the spike protein, which exists on the surface of the virus. Once those proteins are produced, the immune system responds, creating antibodies. This new therapy works similarly by telling the body to produce BMT proteins instigating new bone growth. Instead of an immune response, you're getting bones which are better, faster, and stronger than our prior interventions. Importantly, like other gene therapies, mRNA isn't actually changing your DNA. For the conspiracy theorists out there, I'll say that again. mRNA isn't actually changing your DNA. Once it delivers the protein encoding instructions to the cell, it rapidly degrades and ultimately vanishes from the body. And so the experiment, scientists were unable to detect the presence of, of mRNA in the body after 10 days. To test therapy, scientists use healthy young male rats with no other significant health concerns. Injury to the femoral bone uh, was introduced to the rats using a bridging plate to create a large defect sufficient that if it were left untreated, it would not heal. Similar in humans often require amputation of the limb. Next, a collage sponge containing the messenger RNA was implanted. That sponge served as a scaffold for both the delivery of RNA and bone growth. They found that introducing mRNA in this way can, can heal large segment defects in bones by inducing the production of growth factor over the course of only a handful of days. While the mRNA vanished from the body relatively quickly, it's efficient jumpstart bone regeneration. Uh, just interesting personal note. My older brother, uh, when he was younger, got into a very bad accident and uh, his like left uh, femur was broken. Uh, and you know they had to set a metal uh, a metal post into it uh, to encourage bone growth. So this is pretty cool. Um, and I'm sure, uh, you know, as they get this, this going, they will be, you know, have to show it's effective in other populations, um, larger sizes, females, uh, before we can get to human trials, but pretty cool, interesting stuff. Um, and the last story I have, well, if you know, uh, Will, Kayla, and I, you know, we love our pets. Uh, and a recent study, uh, a recent study found that uh, having a pet uh, is good for your health. Uh, it can decrease your stress and positively impact your physical health. Uh, now, according to a preliminary study from scientists at the University of Michigan Medical Center and the University of Florida, we have reason to believe pets also protect our brains from cognitive decline in old age. The study is currently under review and will be presented at the American Academy of Neurology's 74th annual meeting next month. Uh, the study used data from Health and Retirement Study, which gathers information from adults uh, over the age of 50 with an average age of 65 across gender, race, and economic demographics. In total, 1,369 participants were considered and their cognibilities compared from 2010 to 2016. Cognition is measured using a series of common tests, including a delayed 10-noun free recall test, the serial seven subtraction test, and a backwards count test. Performance on these tests were combined into a composite score of cognition with a possible score of 27. Only participants who showed normal cognitive function during the 2010 test were included. Of the nearly 1,400 participants in the study, 53% owned pets and 32% were long-term pet owners, having had their companion animal for at least five years. 
Participants are even asked to return and retake cognition tests each year in order to quantify ordinary cognitive decline occurring with age. While there are a number of factors that which likely contribute to cognitive health later in life, including socioeconomic status, the team found a strong correlation between pet ownership and decreased cognitive decline. At the end of the six years of study, pet owners had an average cognition score that which was 1.2 points higher than those without pets. The effect was strongest in those individuals who were long-term pet owners, suggesting that owning a pet is benefit is a benefit all on its own, but maintaining and nurturing the, that relationship over time makes it stronger. At present, it is unclear what the precise mechanism behind the cognitive benefit is. Fossil ties back to previously mentioned stress reduction. Doctor and scientists know that stress has a negative effect on cognition, so simply having a companion animal which reduces stress could be enough to realize some benefit. Could also be that pet owners maintain a more active lifestyle. Pet requires some level of care, whether that's simply remaining mobile enough to fill the food and water bowls and clean out a litter box, or going on walks around the neighborhood or the dog park. Interesting, uh, because the study used data which was considered various demographic criteria, scientists were able to consider how the effect differed among specific groups. While pet ownership, particularly long-term pet ownership, was beneficial across the board, it was especially beneficial among Black adults, college-educated adults, and men. The study was not designed to identify the underlying cause for a different level of impacts across demographics, and more research is needed. Uh, regardless of reason, it appears that pets are keeping our brains shar sharper longer and giving us one more reason to keep them well supplied with toys, treats, and snuggles, as if they needed another reason. So, hey, uh, so we've gotten to the end of the show, and uh, just want to thank you for listening and remind you, as always, this podcast leaves that Black Lives Matter, trans rights, human rights, and love is love. Thank you for taking a listen this week. Look forward to talking to you next week. Have a good one. And as Fool would say, leave the world a better place than you found it, kids. That's important. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.